From Edge Radio 99.3 FM, this is an edit of The Dice Men Cometh, the podcast. The Dice Men Cometh! Oh, who would believe it? Who would believe it? We're back here in the Edge Radio studios with The Dice Men Cometh. I feel like it's been so long I forgot how to press the microphone on button. That's so unlike you, Mark. But never mind. So unlike you. It's Thursday evening. We're back from PAX. Well, at least Lynn and I are back from PAX. And Garth, mm. welcome back. Thank you. Is, is that not special guest Garth anymore? <laughs> Just like, about. I'm a regular these days. It's nice to be back. So, yes, Mark, where have I been? I've been everywhere, man, but more specifically Sri Lanka and uh, a speech of Singapore. With an unexpected diversion via Melbourne and Sydney and then finally home. And that's oh, been really? wonderful. Yeah. So, look, let me greet you in the traditional S- Sri Lankan style. Yes. And excuse my pronunciation, are you a Bowen? No, I'm not a Bowen. Are you a Bogan? No, you're not a Bogan <laughs> either. But that is the traditional S- uh, Sri Lankan greeting, just, you know, hello, what's up, yep. you know, all of those kinds of things. And the easiest way to remember it, in good Australian fashion is, how you going? Oh, are you yeah, Bowen? Yeah. How you going? Are you Bowen? So that's that's how you say hello in Sri Lankan. Uh, would you like to know any other words? How do you say board game in Sri Lankan? Board game. Okay. <laughs> I can say, uh, okay, hurry. I'm going as fast as I can. If you want to say, okay, twice, you say, hurry, hurry. Oh. You say, no, no. Which you want to say in the markets, you go, etta, I think. Or maybe Epa, can't remember. And if you want to say that you're beautiful, Mark, yes, you like do if you that. want to tell me that I'm oh, right. you know, looking quite beautiful, because yeah. you know, I'm tanned right now. You are. You are actually. <laughs> it's Lassanai. Ooh. Or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Well. So look, I feel really, really tired because I have stayed in about twelve hotels over the last fourteen nights, mm-hmm. and I'm definitely not grumpy about that because I was very lucky to be provided with this trip through work. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly disappointed that I didn't get to visit PAX because it is one of those gaming highlights on the Australian calendar that anyone who's worth anyone needs to be And I'm very proud that the Dice Men not only got their media passes to go but that you and Leon actually then bothered to go and then you ended up bothering to speak to all these tabletop luminaries and I'm looking forward to listening to it because I haven't had anything to do with gaming for the last two weeks. Well, basically, the whole rest of the show is going to be all about packs. I'm going to regale you with my stories of packs. Mm -hmm. I'm going to play some interviews. I'll regale you some more. And then guess what? Next week... It's going to be more of the same because I've got more interviews next week. Well, that's lovely because I'm not here next week because I've got to go on another a little bit of a closer-to-home trip. So I'll be going to, to Mariah Island. And anyone who knows Tasmania knows Mariah Island is beautiful. Just watch out for, was it the turkeys or the chickens or something's going to, I don't know, pick my eyeballs out. Uh, maybe some Tasmanian... Tigers. The square wombat poos. Yeah, anyway. Look, you went to Dice Men Cometh, which is Australia's leading board game slash tabletop radio slow show slash podcast on all things tabletop gaming, role-playing gaming, dice gaming. We've got a bit of all of those tonight. Card gaming. And just being bloody amazing because Mark and Leon spent all of the PAX long weekend making sure they spoke to everyone who's everyone. So anyway, it's 99.3 FM. It's Edge Radio. We'll be back after this song. Hi, this is Terry and Merrin from Canberra. The Dice Men Cometh. Are the second nicest group of guys we know in Tasmania. Language warning. That wasn't very nice and clearly there was also some errors in her mathematical reasonings there because she said one plus one equals three. She said one plus one plus one equals three. No, I wasn't listening. <laughs> anyway, that was the Black Eyed Peas with Simple Little Melody. <laughs> That's right, Simple Little Melody. You're with the Dice Men coming oh, from Edge Radio 99.3 FM. You miss me yet, Mark? I have missed you so, so much, Garth. Well, look... You get to miss me a little bit more because I'm going to play little to no part in the next 15 minutes because Mark has uh, you know, kindly recorded some interviews from PAX. 
works. But before I let both of us off the hook, Mark, and mm-hmm. you press one button and we sit back and chill out, yep. I'm going to ask you a very important question that I have. Uh-oh. How was PAX? PAX was amazing. Obviously, I don't have any, like, crowd figure numbers... Saturday, which is the biggest day, was sold out. So you didn't just stand at the turnstile and count people? No. What level of commitment do you have to integrity, board game, journalism and such and such? Clearly none. Mm. So Saturday was completely sold out. Friday and Sunday were apparently very close to sold out. And when we arrived on Saturday morning, obviously we were there Friday, Saturday, Sunday we did go down to collect our passes on Thursday night, but the media people had already gone home. Well, they were probably playing board there. games. Yeah. Anyway, but on Saturday, when the wave of people hit the hall, it was just incredible. There was noise, sound, chaos, bodies. It was berserk. Was it exciting? It was. And then, were you in the media pass line going... Come on, why'd they just give 40 media passes to a computer game guy that not, I've never heard of? Not this time, because we picked them up on Friday morning, really. <laughs> but the thing was, what we saw each morning at PAX was the rush was obviously for the video game area. That's where people want to get in, get in the lines to play the latest things. Yeah. The they were going Cyberpunk, to see Tetris 2 or something. Cyberpunk 2077. I'm excited Or about the that. new um, sort of League of Legends game like the new fortnite styled game, all these games I didn't know. There was a huge area with a lot of indie publishers, Indie Alley or something like that. They, I don't think they call it that, but it's something like that. And they'd move that towards the front of the show, which was great. There was all sorts of stuff going on in there. That was the, the, the early rush was in there and then it sort of gradually moved through into the board game area. If you want to get a sense of what it's like in the board game area during Saturday... And Sunday, I think I took it on Sunday. On our Facebook page, there is a video that I took of walking around in that area for about two minutes. If you haven't got two minutes, you can watch it on our Instagram feed and it only goes for about 50 seconds because I sped it up. Um, But you can just see how many people are there taking out games from the tabletop library, playing in the collaboratory with all the new designers, playing the the huge amounts of role-playing tables of D&D and Pathfinder, Call of Cthulhu plus a whole lot of other systems, Uh, the painting, the retail. The retail presence was massive. There were so many retail booths. Anyway, how about we'll talk to some people now, or at least you'll hear me talk to some people. Yes. We'll come back. We'll have a little break. We'll hear me talk to some more people. And then we'll come back and I'll do a bit of a wrap-up at the end. What do you think about that? That sounds fantastic. And just to break the fourth wall, this is Mark's favourite episode just because it's all him talking (laughs) all the time. So, look, you are going to start this with just some secret sneaky interviews where you grabbed people out of their booths or from their role-playing tables and... um, what, stuck him in a bag so or the, these first stick four, him in a, a recording coffin or something like these that? These yeah? first four are all designers. Now, some of them you'll hear, you'll be able to tell are out on the floor of packs because there's a bit of background noise, although I got rid of most of it. And then some of them I took off into a secret private room, which was like the foyer outside the first aid room, which was sort of about the only quiet space I could find. And you'll hear it sounds a bit echoey because we're in that secret room. A bit echoey because it's in that secret room. Yes. Yes. Um, But hopefully it is good enough for for you to listen to and you will enjoy it. Let's get started. So it's a very exciting PAX and I'm here with Julian, who's one of the Curly Bros. Hello. And your game, Tremors, is funding now on Kickstarter. Yes. You're only a few days into the campaign. That's right. You're already 120% funded. Yep. Tell us how that feels. (laughs) Feels really good. Really, really good. We are very excited. We're hoping to keep smashing the goals over this weekend. How long long has this project been in the making? Uh, We've been working on it for 20 months now. And uh, the first year was like, full solid game design and testing and then this last year we've been working on just polishing graphic design and uh, all the publishing stuff trying to squeeze in games and tests whenever we can and it looks like it's pretty much a finished product is there much more to do yeah uh the game itself is completely done and we're super happy with how it feels how it plays and the balance of it all 
Um, we are working on uh, upgrading the tile art and uh, the card art. Yep. Um, it's one of our next stretch goals. Fantastic. So uh, 20 grand we get to upgrade uh, to a, a thematic art that uh, kind of matches the box cover a bit better. And did you have any idea that you would, would have success with this, that would fund so quickly? Uh, we were not sure, no. We didn't, <laughs> I mean, we, we were working on, uh, you know, generating hype over the year. We were going to all sorts of conventions and stuff, but we found it really hard to gauge how it would be received in the first few days, yes. um, but it's gone well, and yeah, we're pretty happy with it. Look, I know I, I commented on your Facebook page that I think, you know, setting a realistic target is so important. You guys did that right from the get-go. Yeah. And it looks like now you're going to have a huge amount of success. It can only go on from here. Yeah. How how has PAX been? What sort of reception have you had from the PAX audience? PAX has been really good. We've sold like a whole lot of, cop of copies, raised a few more wow. thousand dollars. It's only Saturday morning, so there's still plenty more time to get more people uh, around the game. And we're doing demos every hour as well. So, yeah, it's just good for the exposure and meeting other game designers. Yeah. And the retailers as well, getting to meet all the retailers has been oh, great. Fantastic. Yeah. Have you had any discussions with potential distributors, publishers? To, yeah, we've, we've talked to a few different distributors. Uh, we haven't uh, approached any publishers yet. We are going to see how the campaign goes and uh, maybe talk to publishers more. Oh, uh, but at this stage, we're self-publishing. So, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Do you have anything else in the works you'd like to tease us about? Perhaps, you know, I mean, I know you're, you're only just getting this one out, yeah. but it's always good to know in advance. We uh, have tried to resist... Uh, <laughs> working on lots of games at the same time yeah but we do have a couple of like kind of more party card game versions of with a with a tremor theme potentially attached and also john had this crazy idea about this dimension game uh recently that, okay uh, that's a totally different direction so that, and look the great thing about when i think when this episode goes to air is your campaign will still be going yes so do you want to give the listeners the elevator pitch of your game tremor yeah sure so tremor is a two to four player uh, chaotic strategy game and it is set in a post-apocalyptic world that's been destroyed by climate change mm -hmm. um and you're playing as an uh, ancestral spirit guardian of whatever species you're trying to save and you have to uh, navigate a chaotic maze of a tile board that's always moving yeah. and get your species back to their natural habitat. For people who like this game, is there another game that it sort of is reminiscent of or you've found that, you know, people who like that game like this game? It's hard to say because we haven't found many games that deal with like this kind of moving board in the same way. Yeah. It reminds people of Forbidden Desert. Okay. So it's kind of like a competitive Forbidden Desert where you control what areas of the board are moving. Ooh with a whole lot more strategy, I would say. Yeah, look, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. Um, it looks great. Uh, hopefully our listeners will get a chance to check it out. Yeah, and we're also planning five trees for every copy that we fund on Kickstarter. Yeah, that, yeah. that's amazing. And obviously, yeah. with the $12,000, how many trees is that? We've probably just cleared a 1,000. So, wow, yeah, that's amazing. So far. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's brilliant. Look, congratulations. It's so great to see a couple of people coming together, making a game, hitting Kickstarter and success. Congratulations. It's Thank fantastic. you so much. It feels really good. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So I'm here with Ethan and Chase, who are the designers of a role-playing game that's also a social deduction game. It's called Shifters. Tell us a little bit about it. So basically, uh, we're really into a lot of bluffing style games like Coup and Secret Hitler mm -hmm. um, but they're very on the lightweight side of things. Yes. Um, we enjoy some of those longer things like Dead of Winter but some of them are just there's a lot going on and it feels a bit more like you're fighting the environment than like you're fighting each other. Yeah. Um, so we're film guys, we work in film and VFX and actually for you know we love the old horror movies like Alien and The Thing and the atmosphere that they have and just thought how could we recreate that you know, create like a little film sort of length game, like an hour and a half, that gives you the feeling of a movie like The Thing, where everyone doesn't trust each other and everyone's paranoid of one another. Awesome. Have you played any of the Thing-based board games? Um, yes, yes, we have. Uh, we've played The Thing, uh, Outpost 22. Yeah. Um, and that's a really fun game. It expands upon like those resistance things, style mechanics. And, but our game is much more about that person-to-person. -person, uh, you're not 
doing voting so much as you're trying to test each other yes. and, you know, fight the, one another. The betrayal in those sort of games is kind of like a, it's a secret. Everyone puts it in and then it's like there's been an obvious betrayal who done it. In ours, it's a lot more personal. It's a okay. personal attack from one person to another. And now everyone suspects both of those people. And whether or not it was something that was good or bad, they're now on a team together, essentially. And you said you had this game here at PAX last year. Yes. And that was like the first time you gave it an outing. Yes. Uh, so we, we, we sort of worked together in the same building and we had a lot of spare time on lunch and things like that. So we were just sort of, like you said, we, we had this, this gap in our, in our board game library and we thought, why don't we just try and make something to fill that gap? And then we got into collaboratory and had about two weeks to get it <laughs> sort of wound wow. up and brought it in. It was very rough and very stressful, but we survived it and got some pretty positive feedback and had some interesting interactions with players. And we thought, hey, we can maybe put a bit of time and energy into this and make something out of it. So we spent the whole last year sort of noodling it, working on it, playtesting it, and now we're back. We've got something that's got a lot more form and shape and is pretty stable. I know, I was going to say, it looks like... Um, it's pretty close to a finished product as far as the game goes. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, the, me the mechanics and the structure of the game and all that's pretty locked in. It's sort of, at this point, it's just balancing and tweaking little things to try and sort of iron out any any, any bits of friction and things like that. Yeah. yeah so other than that, we just got to find, find a guy to do art. We're <laughs> good to go. Awesome. Well, look, we're, we're about to sit down and play it, so we will tell the listeners all about it but look all the best with it it looks like a great idea can't wait to try it cool awesome so i'm here with matt from platypus industries now matt we've seen you around the convention scene for the last few years uh with in for the most part one particular game but you've got a new game here at pax tell us about that one yeah so this year we're demonstrating the very advanced prototype for the rat catcher yeah. a solo adventure game that plans to be coming out and Kickstarter in late January, we're hoping at the moment. Wow, yep. Um, it's a solo game, so that, is that something you guys have done before? No, solo game's a new genre to go into. It's something I personally really enjoy, and uh, it's a, been a good design challenge, doing something a bit different. They do seem to be very popular at the moment, I know. It's funny because a lot of people come into tabletop for the social interaction to get away from those seemingly solo video type games. Yeah, definitely. But you're right, it, 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 it's really catching on at the moment. Tell us a little bit about the Rat Catcher. So the Rat Catcher is a game where you will play the role of a rat catcher who has been sent into a rat-infested town to save magical cheese, which is attracting rats from all over the place. Of course. So you'll be there catching rats, grabbing cheese, upgrading your character, and hopefully surviving through all the village to win the day. And I love the look of this. I know you said it's a sort of an advanced prototype. Yeah. I love the look of it. It's very sort of bring out your dead type look, um, medieval or even dark ages. Yes. That's the vibe you're going for? Yeah, so it's all based on lithograph style artwork, which is the era that the game is sort of set in loosely yes. with the fantasy elements added to it. Um, so, yeah, that heavily influenced the choice of art style we went with. So. Yeah, it's looking really nice. Uh, obviously, you said you're going to Kickstarter in January. Yep. Have you talked to any publishers, or do you guys generally self-publish? What's, uh, what's we work there? with both. So this will be the first time Platypus Industries will self-publish. Um, we do have some other titles in work with other publishers as well. Um, so we're trying to keep a bit diverse and build our own brand as well as work with other companies who can help us publish bigger games than we'd be able to do on our own. Okay. Now, the one we have seen you here probably a couple of years with uh, is Goons. Spy Goons, yep. Yeah, what's happening with that one? Spy Goons has actually just gone back into some really heavy development, actually. Um, we made some changes to slink it down, a new element to it, but it's mainly slimming it down a little bit, getting the component counts down, maybe a little bit shorter play times. But it's going to be hitting the table with some new prototypes, hopefully at CanCon. Okay. Maybe a little bit later. Awesome. Well, hopefully we'll see you there. Now, what else What else have you got happening? Uh, we've got some more development of new games coming out, some more expansions, and we've got the Drop Bear, which should be hitting maybe crowdfunding late in the year, okay. depending on art and a few other assets that have to go with it as well. So. so so you and the other Matt, you're both absolutely flat out then? Yeah, it never stops. <laughs> we do enjoy it, though, so I can't complain. <laughs> 
Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for talking with me pleasure. today. Thank you for um, your time. Uh, I was going to ask you, what's the crowd reaction been to Ratcatcher during this pack? Absolutely fantastic. I'm really stoked that people are catching on to the single and solo play of it. It was something that was a bit tense to start with. It is yeah. an odd niche to, to enter. So, no, really, really happy with the responses we've been getting. Yeah, well, certainly, as I said, when I walk past on day one, it does catch your eye. Um, as a good rat catcher should. Um, hopefully catches some rats and hopefully catches lots of attention here at PAX. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your no, time. thank you. So I'm here at PAX. Meet my old friend Emmett. We met two years ago here at PAX. Hello. Hello, everyone. Good to see you again. Good to see and you. And now you're with Ugly Butterfly. That's correct. And I remember your game from two years ago. It had some amazing art. And you were still quite in the development phase. Now, exciting yes. things have been happening. Yes, we started with a few foldable pages and a few cardboards. And right now we have a full game on the table, which actually literally dominates the table. It absolutely does. You've got a hexagonal map, you've got minis, you've got dice, you've got cards. There's a lot happening. Do you want to give us the, the elevator pitch for your game? Of course. Well, this is Solar Ocean Colonies. Mm -hmm. It is a, a game about colonization and conflict in deep space. This is pretty much a 4X game. It takes one to six hours, depending wow. on the number of players. The optimum would be around four players, mm -hmm. uh, which would take about three to four hours. Yeah. You can go up to six if you wish. That's really competing with the sort of the Twilight Imperium, maybe yeah. a little bit shorter? We're not, uh, we're not really uh, comparing ourselves to Twilight Imperium. It is an amazing game. Yes. It is one of our influences, definitely, yes. uh, as with every other 4X, I, I believe. But with this one, uh, you have this metagame element where you build your army beforehand okay. before you sit down to play at the table. And if you pack it into a little box that we have at the, uh, the bigger game box, actually, yes. the, the setting up of your army takes just five minutes. Okay. So those hours you spend at the table are spent playing the game, not setting it up. That's one thing. So as a group of friends, you could take your bit of the game home. That's right build it as such and then That's come right. together. And if they have a copy of the main box, you just need to take the small box of your armies and they, you can use the uh, the central components from their box there. Okay. Well. You've got some amazing miniatures. You've got some of these platformy things. What are they? Those are things that we explore, which are sectors. The sectors we explore during the game, they are put into the hexagonal map as planets that we have discovered and then those hexagonal platforms which are 3d miniatures mm -hmm. they are the colonies you can build on wow now they also have inlines where ships can dock and when ships dock at the colonies they use their services to repair their cells to do all kinds of things actually and then if you're docking your ship into another player's colony which yes. you can do you're actually paying them instead of the bank to do um, those kinds of mechanics have you built this world from scratch really much so well that's, that's three years of efforts behind that and two years of effort behind the artwork yes 12 factions 12 individual factions with their individual fields 400 plus assets wow. to go in the game and you are making an army of only 12 of them so there is huge amount of replayability. Absolutely. And the exciting news obviously is you are about to go to Kickstarter. Yes, by the end of this month is when we are heading in uh, and hopefully uh, if we make it we'll be out in the market pretty soon after that because the game is almost almost done. We wow. only need the Kickstarter to give us the final boost. When I saw you two years ago the art is super eye-catching. Who, who does the art? We got a team of five artists, myself admittedly being one, oh. and again admittedly not being the best one. <laughs> I did generally the, the illustrator stuff, but the artists we worked with are from all over the place. Wow. Yeah. It, it has an amazing look. It has Thank quite you. a unique look, I think. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Some of the art is here in the booth is absolutely breathtaking. What's been the response here at PAX this weekend? Well, the third day is almost halfway through. We are out of cards. That's one thing. Wow. Uh, we are unable to give uh, our business card anymore. Uh, that was the kind of response we got here. We have run several demo sessions. Uh, obviously, we had tested the game before in several situations, but yes. players have this tendency to find out nooks and crannies where you haven't explored. The fortunate thing is that the nooks and crannies they found have actually enriched the game even further, and they were really few. So I think, yeah, positive response across the board. Well, I have to tell you, I was down the other end of PAX, bumped into a couple of friends of ours from Hobart, mm -hmm. and the first thing they said to me was, 
have you gone and seen this game called Solar Ocean Colonies? We're going to back it as soon as it launches. It's oh, that good. You. So people are talking about it. Beautiful. That's what we want. Fantastic. Well, look, I'll let you get back to it because I know you're very busy. Thank you. But all the best for Kickstarter. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on you. Thank you. Having you here is always a bonus. Thank you for that. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful time. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you. Thank you. See you. Well, there you go. That was Mark's first round of grabbing everybody that would bother to stand in front of a microphone and chat to one lonely dice man. Well, another lonely dice man was out there doing the other things yeah. as well. And, and did I tell you I was in Sri Lanka? <laughs> I was probably eating dal and lovely curries and climbing Sakiria Rock and mm. maybe, maybe, just maybe having my own private pool villa. Yeah, okay. Well, I was out there pressing the flesh and chatting to these amazing designers. And look, the great thing about, let me mention just those four lots of people we had there. We heard first from Tremors, Jonah and Julie and the Curly Bros. So they're on Kickstarter right now, still with, as of this Thursday night, 22 days to go. Their funding goal, as we mentioned, was $10,000. We always like to see a nice achievable yes. goal. At the moment, they've got over 14000 And as you would have heard, that means they're planting a 1,000 trees as well as producing all those board games. So you've still got plenty of time to get on that one, check it out. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, how many times have we spoken about realistic funding mm -hmm. goals for a first-time project? That is brilliant. The price itself at 39 US, because it's obviously going for an international market yeah. where the Australian peso just does not cut it. So 39 US is very, very reasonable. I don't know this game. Leon certainly played it at LFG earlier yep. on this year. I didn't get to play it at PAX because they really only had one demo copy and it was going flat chat the mm. whole weekend. As he described it, you know, you've sort of got the tile layout like something like a forbidden desert where you're shuffling it around. But, look, there's plenty of information on Kickstarter. You can check it out. Um, just a couple more shout-outs, obviously. Ratcatcher, you heard that one will go to Kickstarter in January. Very nice-looking game. And Solar Oceans, that one, I believe, is going to be... The Kickstarter campaign is going to be up in the next two or three weeks. So yeah, keep an okay. eye out for that wow. one. We'll probably have a Kickstarter update which will feature that now, one. Now, just correct me. That was the one that we actually saw a couple of years yes. ago. And it was... Glorious. It looked beautiful. Yeah, so at that stage they had lots of art, mm. not a lot of game, and they were talking about we're going to have this big world yeah. with all these different races. It sounded it's incredibly expansive. Yeah. And obviously with Kickstarter these days and anything that involves social media, you need to have a product that looks good. Yeah. Otherwise people are going to flick on to the next project. So it'll be really interesting to see what they're going for. Yeah. Because if they've got two years of development and art costs... That's not cheap. Although I think Emmett, as he said, he's one of the artists. I don't know, I can't remember the other gentleman's name, but he, I wouldn't be surprised if he was one of the other artists. But, yeah, look, the art looks absolutely amazing. Um, so I'm curious to see what the target is. But it is, uh, uh, that was the game, I think I mentioned in the interview, down the other end of the hall and uh, a couple of people actually said to me, oh, have you checked out this game, Solar Oceans? It looks amazing. You should talk to those guys. And I was like... Ah, I remember that guy. There you go. Yeah. Well, let's take a break. Yes. Come back. Let's do that. Talk and then, to more people. And then we all get to listen to Mark talk a bit more about PAX. So that's exciting. It's Mark though. Andrea, 99.3 FM. Hello, everybody. Your friendly neighbourhood, Leon, here. We'll get you back to the action in just a few seconds. But first, a few bits of information for you. If you're a new listener to the show, or even an old listener, and you haven't left us a review on iTunes, we would really, really appreciate it. We've grown in leaps and bounds over the last few years, and a lot of the reason is because of those iTunes reviews. Because if you throw up five stars on there, people all around the world, which we have a fair few international listeners now outside of Australia, have found the podcast because of that. Second, do you know that we have a Patreon? Yes, if you've been listening to the Dice Men for the five years or more of goodness we've been pumping free into your ears, if you want to give a little bit back, we're not asking anybody out there to go giving us $20, $30 a month. That's ridiculous. What I would suggest personally is give us a dollar, two, three dollars a month. I do that myself with about a dozen or so podcasts. I don't even know it's gone from my bank account, but I can tell you that they sure know about it. Every cent we get, we do not spend at the pub as much as we might sound like we do. We spend it on going to conventions all around Australia and hopefully very soon internationally as well. And finally, 
Also, if you wanted to get your hand on some Dice Men merchandise, jump over to redbubble.com, put in Dice Men in the search, and you'll be able to buy t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, etc., whatever you want. So, if you'd like to support us, we really appreciate it. We do love you all. You are all our friends and family, and hopefully you will be for many years to come. Now, back to the action. There you go. That was Kate Nash with 3AM. I wasn't up to 3am on the weekend. No, well, oddly enough, uh, it's about what it feels like right now, Mark, <laughs> because did I tell you I was in Sri Lanka lately? Oh, God. <laughs> Anywho, Mark, you need to talk us through yep. a little bit of an intro of part two of yeah, your interview. So, so, so what's happening in this break? Well, in this break, what we've got is we've got the Game Master's introduction to the Fragged Aeternum universe because... We all know the fragged system, starting with fragged empires. Wade Dyer of Melbourne. Yeah, it's now, been going for a while, hasn't well, it? Well, he, he's been making RPGs about as long as we've been making this show. And I talked to him. That's the second interview. Ooh. But Leon and I both realised that, because we saw in the, in the PAX program, that they had some uh, tables set aside for the fragged system. So I said to Leon, hey, here's our opportunity to try this because obviously Leon and I are both into role-playing. I've been doing a lot of Cthulhu. He's been massively into D&D. But over all the years, we've never... We've talked about Fragged a lot. We've, they've had a lot of Kickstarters. They've produced a lot of content. And... We've never had a chance. You and Leon haven't played a huge amount of role-play together. No. Either. No. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, as I... I think I said to Wade in the interview, I've... He may or may not have been our first ever interview that Trent did way back in the day when, with his who? very first, yeah, him, uh, very first Kickstarter. Wade and, Wade and who? And so what we've got here is we've got the Game Master, who's a lovely guy called Rob, mm -hmm. giving us the intro into what Fragged Aeternum is. Then we'll hear me talk to Wade about Fragged and his success. Um, and then the final thing we follow up with is Alex Winter, who is one of the big organisers at the Tabletop Game Designers of Australia, also uh, an award-nominated uh, game designer in his own right, obviously. Oh, that's for the Kangas, yeah. Yes. Awesome. Um, so we'll hear him talk about the TGDA and also his own success uh, with Red Genie and what they're up to. Mm -hmm. And then we'll come back, maybe talk a little bit more about about PAX and wrap it all up. That sounds perfect. Well, here you go. Part two of Mark's PAX interviews with all of those people. Uh, Fragged Eternum is a gothic horror setting. Um, it is set in the city of Eternum, which is the infant city. So it goes out all directions equally, um, both out, down and up. We are talking very steampunk era for most, for most part. Um, so it goes infinitely out, it goes infinitely down. Uh, Eternum is built on bits of older Tarnum. Um, so basically if you go down far enough you'll find ruined buildings from centuries and centuries ago. Um, the place is run by a group of beings called the Celestials. Uh, the Celestials pretty much have no influence on the world, direct influence, apart from replacing damaged buildings or replacing not damaged buildings. Quite often people will go to sleep in what was once a church and wake up and it could be a factory and vice versa. So you quite often find that churches have been converted to apartment blocks, apartment blocks have been converted to um, you know, shopping centres and all that sort of stuff. So it's a very, sometimes, sometimes chaotic place. There is a dark side, obviously there is a counterpart to the Celestials. There are demons, there are devils, um, there are vampires, there's all that base, standard gothic horror stuff around. Um, and basically what the tethered are, is what you guys are, so it's like the, the crucial term for a player character. The tethered, uh, I tend to think of them as kind of like supernatural cops. Um, basically, it's your job to make sure the demons don't come above ground, or all the other monsters don't come above ground. Your desire is to protect the souls of humanity and protect humanity in general, and hopefully cause more to ascend up to wherever they go, as opposed to descending down to wherever they go. Whether your individual outlook is that when I eventually do die permanently, whether I go up, whether I go down, or whether nothing happens at all, is really up to the individual character and really doesn't have a great deal of influence on, on the gameplay, apart from possibly how suicidal you, you end up choosing to be. Um, as tethered warriors, 
you are effectively immortal. Um, it is very difficult for you to die. When you die, you come back initially as a spectre, where you get a few bonus abilities. Um, if you look at the bottom right corner of the sheet, you can see where it says spectre form. Yeah. Those are all the things that happen to you when you die. A total party kill can only occur if the last person standing gets turned into a spectre. When that happens, all spectres vanish and you resurrect at the next dawn at a shrine, at uh, one of the lantern shrines, which is pretty much the source of the tethered's power. Um, each of you does have a lantern on your belt, whether you choose that to be a very fancy lantern or a very basic lantern, whether you want to be a bullseye lantern or anything along those lines, it's entirely up to your characters. It doesn't really enter too much into the scenario for today. So I'm stoked to meet at last Wade Dyer, the king of Frag, Frag Empires, Frag the Turnum, Frag Kingdom, Frag Seas. Yeah, all fragging, Frag Rock. That joke gets made a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but great to see you here. Thank I have you. seen so many people milling about your booth this weekend. Mm -hmm. And I just mentioned to you, Leon and I got a chance to play Frag Eternum, mm -hmm. which is sort of your gothic horror yep. roleplay setting. Yep. Yeah, so my original one is Fragged Empire, which is my sci-fi setting, and I call it a post-apocalyptic. Post right. The kind of dawn of a new era thing. Yes. Um, whereas Fragged Eternum is one of my alternate settings. Gothic horror, immortal PCs, like kind of like gothic superheroes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite a different one, that one. Yeah, we... Sure. we found it great. There was a lot of quite unique bits to it that mm. I hadn't come across it before. So I got Frag Seas, which is my pirate one. Yes. So that's, uh, imagine Pirates of the Caribbean and, uh, you know, Lovecraftian sort of eldritch gods yes. combined wow. sort of a feel for that one. Yeah. And then the fourth one, The, the other Kingdom. one is Frag Kingdom. Yeah. So that one is my fantasy one. And that one is actually set in the same universe as my science fiction setting. Okay. Just way, way so, earlier. Actually, no, it's, it's set in the future, but where a planet has technologically devolved and mythologized their past. Oh. So, for example, uh, a mage may think they're throwing a potion of fireball, but it may be rocket fuel, <laughs> or an ice spell is really cryogenic fluid. Yeah. Or, and they've also, like, um, for example, the goddess of commerce and trade, her name is Corp, which is named after the <laughs> mega corporation Frag Empire. So you, don't, you don't need to know that stuff, yeah, yeah. but it adds that extra nice. little layer and some of my existing fans get to ex experience some of my popular uh, races from a different light. Yes. Yeah. And so what's the reception been here in the booth with people coming past, people finding out about you for the first time? Yeah, no, it's always very good coming to PAX. It's always, uh, it, it's interesting. I find that people come in, uh, come in waves, it seems to be. <laughs> yes. And particularly this year, because we're running two tables, running our demo games yes. all weekend. It's been really good to be able to come, people come, chat, I can tell them about the lore and the rules, and then they go off and they'll play a game, and they come back. It's been good. Well, that was a, or what we thought was it's a great opportunity for us with the tables to try one of your games for the first yeah. time. I'm, I'm ex exceptionally happy about getting two tables. This has been a long time to get that. Yeah. And it's... Um, it's a small joy to just eat a tiny bit of the pie from Pathfinder and D&D. Just a little. Just some, a little sliver. I was going to say, between those two and Call of Cthulhu, they've got a lot of space yeah. down there, that's for sure. Have you got anything exciting coming on the horizon? More Kickstarters, perhaps? Uh, yes, so I finished a Kickstarter uh, a couple of months ago. Yes. And so I'm still taking pre-orders for that. And it's for region books. It's for my Fragged Empire, yes. Fragged Kingdoms, and Fragged Eternum. Yeah. And for these ones are very, like, lots of maps and very lore-focused, yeah. but it's also the first expansions for Fragged Kingdom and Eternum. Ooh. So because it's the first one, that also means that I've had extra time to play test and, you know, so there's an extra rules in there to help round things out. Yep. Like, I, I always say, never trust an expansion that was released at the same time <laughs> as the original. It's the expansion that comes, like, a couple of years or a year and a half yes. later than the ones you want. Look, it's so great to hear that, not that I want to call you a little Aussie that could, because you have been... <laughs> kicking goals in this hobby for, what, five, six years? Actually, it's, it's been about five years. Yeah. Yeah, which has been, it's a very humbling. I remember um, uh, Trent, who we don't even talk about him anymore, <laughs> interviewed you. You would have been one of our very first Australian designer interviews, I reckon, almost right. six years ago. Yeah, that back when I was doing my first Kickstarter. Yep. Yeah, it's been really interesting over the last five years, just figuring out 
how do you make this business work? Yeah. How do you still make great stuff and enjoy it? And figuring that all stuff. I, I kind of actually like that sort of thing as well. Oh, brilliant. So yeah. it sounds like we'll see you here again next year. Yep, yep. I'll be <laughs> be here and here and here until I stop selling books, which yeah. will probably be a very long time. Fantastic. Thanks so much for taking cool. the time Thanks to talk so with Wade. Cheers, man. So PAX is going off here on Sunday, and I am with one of the organisers of the Tabletop Game Designers of Australia group, Alex Winter. Yep. Hey. Also an award-nominated game designer. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm very, very honoured. It's, it's a great honour. It's not just me, though. It's my whole team. Of course. So, yep. the, so the team at Red Genie Games have yep. had the Brigade yep. nominated for Game of the Year and also Best yeah. Gameplay game yep. in the Kanga Awards. Now, amazing. feeling pumped? I, I'm just happy to be nominated. I think the competition is a bit fierce for us to actually get one of the, the medals there or trophies or whatever. Yeah. Great company to be in. Yes, no, it's fantastic company to be in. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, brilliant. And so um, let's go back to, to TGDA and PAX for a moment. Yep been a really big show been a lot of people here you've had not only your own stand yep. but then you've also had the collaboratory which is a really huge space over there how's that weekend gone uh collab has improved significantly we've got the booth next to collab um collab has been 100 percent busy all the time i think i've seen like maybe two tables be bare for like five minutes for the entire show um, and pax is always incredible it's so busy it's so much cosplay i love your cosplay you came as an old man yeah <laughs> An old podcaster. Yeah, yeah. It has it's been. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. like it. Yeah. Um, but no, PAX has been fantastic. I've, I've tried out so many collab games so far. I think I've clocked 14 out of the 45 games that have been there. They, do, they take time, so. Um, yeah, and played, played some new games for myself, too. One of the exciting things I've seen, because I've been over there and played a few games in uh, collab, yep. is the number of designers then playing other designers' games. Yeah, it's a good little network we've got going. Yeah. And obviously, like wanting to give feedback. Yep. Um, it's a like a great little feedback loop where you can all help each other out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, everyone. Everyone likes helping out, and we do get volunteers as well uh, that uh, try and shepherd people towards games, which is fantastic. Yeah. So you've had a lot of the general public jump into games as well. Definitely. Yeah. Actually, one of the funny things was at um, DevCon, we the tickets were on sale on Eventbrite, and they were public sales. Mm -hmm. And um, DevCon is the industry event we run just before PAX because everyone sort of comes together. We had six people buy public tickets not knowing what it was <laughs> and turn up and have a ball. Hey, it's got conning the name so you can't it's go true. wrong. It's true. They both just looked up what was happening in Australia. They were all into board games. One was a family of four and one was a couple from Ecuador. Wow. Yeah. And they just, they rocked up, they played all the things at DevCon and then left with massive smiles on their faces. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Um, now, for you, before we talk about you personally and Red Genie, any standouts that you've seen in, in collab? Mm, they are all good with their own unique <laughs> things. So politically correct. <laughs> but you're not prepared to say? Uh, well, I mean, one of our one of the uh, people in collab was uh, Drift, which has been picked up by Good Games Publishing, I believe. Yeah. And it's also won the TGDA prototype competition which uh, was announced last Thursday as well. Um, that was a, an absolutely phenomenal game. Just the, the mechanics in it were fantastic. I really played that fantastic. one uh, at LFG last year. Yep. And I know James Allen was excited that, you yeah. know, it was sort of in the queue with Good Games Publishing yep. to be out there. No, I don't know any details yeah. about that. I don't know what's happening with it, but I believe it has been picked up for some time in the future. Yeah. And it is just really, really, really good. Okay, fantastic. Well, look, congratulations as an organiser for that. Um, was it? A, I understand it was a competition for people to get their games into collaboratory? No, it's not a competition, but everyone submits their games via uh, whatever links were provided. So we advertise it in the TGDA. I'm not sure where else it's advertised, mm -hmm. but we promote it there. And then everyone has to submit their games. A lot of games didn't get in because they were already published. Ah, uh, okay. Um, was an automatic cutoff point, yes. uh, and then it was based off some photos and descriptions that they had submitted themselves. Okay, and uh, like most of the submissions were like 90, 95% there, and then there were like 5% submissions that just didn't really follow what the prompts were, like didn't yeah. give us photos or didn't give us good descriptions. 
uh, and we just had to cut them. So, you know, no for next year, be prepared. There's probably going to be some extra questions, extra preparations to do next year. Um, and we'll try and get that out a bit earlier. But it's not 100% up to us. So. Yeah, but the competition is obviously fierce because there are more designers, there are more games being produced, which is fantastic for our hobby and for you guys. Yep. You yourself, Alex, and yep. Red Genie, obviously another successful Kickstarter with yes. The Damsel's Tale. Yep. Uh, that went really well. It was really hard to actually raise uh, a significant amount of funds with a cheaper game. Yeah. So I found it I found it very difficult. It was very different from uh, trying to raise money for a $60 game than it was to raise money for a $30 yep. game. Um, really, and really hard. You've got to get, obviously, a lot more backers to Correct. generate the same amount of funds. I was talking... Yep. To a couple of the people with the um, those sort of like eighteen card micro games, yeah, you know that it's even harder because you feel like you're getting a lot of backers, but the numbers just not going up. Yeah, exactly, because every backer is only a very very small increment mm. in comparison. Yeah, I mean, I like to put it in perspectives of hundred dollar blocks, where you only need two backers to do a hundred dollar block or yeah. sixty dollar game. You need three backers or four backers to, to hit that hundred dollar slot on a thirty or twenty uh, three five dollar game. And um, it's just that much more marketing, that much more pushing you have to do. Uh, but we got there and um, we unlocked a couple of stretch goals and we gave the rest of the stretch goals for free because we wanted to make the best game we possibly could. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. And obviously, you know, one of the challenges is as a two-player game, it's uh, not necessarily a smaller market, but it's certainly a different market yeah, to games to play more. Three-player version. Ah. Yeah, so the board flips over and it's a three-player version. Um, it is it is a two-player game, which is now you can do a three-player game, and you're right, it's a smaller market. But the game really stands up for itself, and um, hopefully we'll get some awards at the next Kangas for well, it. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, and then what, have you, what else have you got coming down the pipe? So, uh, Dandel's Tale was part of a, a set of games that we've sort of um, released as Tinderbox sales in mm -hmm. a beautiful book box. We've got another one we're going to release in, uh, in February, which we tried to fund, but we, we are re redoing. So it would be The Barmaid's Tale, which mm -hmm. is an incredibly hilarious storytelling game. I'm not sure if you played that one. No, I have not. Okay, I'm going to send you a copy of that then. Awesome. <laughs> um, and then further down the pipeline, we have two big box games that we are doing. So hopefully a second one next year, um, which is a fantasy mafia theme. Oh. Which should be interesting. And uh, for me personally, we are looking at doing a second Phantom game. Right. And that would be with Dale. And we are also, I'm also looking at doing another, uh, it's an incredible concept with Rocky where we're going to do a what? dice engine. Um, so basically it's a set of dice that you buy that will be utilised in multiple games. So you sort of buy half the game, which is the dice, mm -hmm. and then the other half is the, the board game components and then you can play the game with that. So we're planning on doing some sort of Kickstarter or promotion where you'll buy the dice engine and the game, and we'll also release two free print and plays, so you will end up with three games in total. Okay. Yeah. Well, that sounds exciting. Um, do you have any plans for maybe a second print run for the Brigade, or have you been in discussions with any we publishers? We have. We've been discussing a second edition, so there's a number of changes we want to make to it, especially with the box and uh, vacuum form design. Yep. Um, and then update some of the things that were in there, but you know, uh, maybe like the rule book tweaks, but no significant rule changes, no significant crew or, or um, warden changes. It'll be essentially the same game, just better packaging, yeah. Um, and the, the non Kickstarter content that we released exclusively. Okay, fantastic. Well, look, things are going swimmingly, it sounds like for you. It's all right for the TGDA <laughs> and for the hobby in general. Yes, that's good for all of us, definitely. What is your highlight of PAX this year? Talking to you. Apart from that, of course. Oh, oh. Yeah. Um, I think I think DevCon is always quite significant. Um, we literally sold out of tickets. Uh, we had 70 tickets sold, and then we um, yeah we maxed out our venue. So next year we have to find a bigger venue. That's a great problem to have. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Look, Alex, thank you so much for talking with me. Enjoy the rest of your PAX and enjoy all your success and good luck in the Kangas. Thank you very much. Well, there you go. That was Mark finishing off his second round of interviews with Alex Winter there from Red Ginny Games. Also a major player in TGDA, Tabletop Game Designers Association, and he mentioned DevCon there, the developers. Sort of convention where a lot of Australian board game designers form a powwow.
little before packs and they get together and they chat about things and yeah, you know, it's a really interesting night. We we were able to go there a couple of years ago. I don't think you and Leon had time to yeah, go. Yeah, unfortunately, year. our flights arrived just a bit too late and and it wasn't really. We didn't think it was worthwhile for us to show up for sort of the last 15 no. minutes where they'd already been out for hours. But as Alex said, it was it was amazing. Mm. Um, great opportunity for them to share, as was PAX and the Collaboratory, where, as I think I mentioned, I did so many interviews at All Blurs, but, you know, designers just playing each other's games, giving feedback. And it was amazing to see the breadth of designs on Collaboratory from little tiny card games that were, you know, you just sort of like, almost like your cards from you get from like office works that that level maybe not quite that level but a little bit more right up to what looked like fully production mm. copies that played people and had stuff all over the table and huge I, variety i really don't think that people appreciate it and by people i mean you know myself and mark <laughs> and leon until you go to these events yeah. and you see that it's gone from deck of palm cards that I bought, bought at Officeworks all the way through this design process, which does take years and years and years potentially, just for the opportunity to sit in front of someone from a publisher yep. and it's, it's M&M style. It's, you know, you got one shot, don't give your <laughs> chance to double the opportunity comes on to whatever that yeah. lyrics are. But oh God. if you don't impress this publisher, it's basically putting your project back months or it's putting it on the shelf never to be taken out again it's a big deal for for a lot of designers to have that game ready version of your your design it's pretty amazing well we next week um one of my interviews is with kim brayback from good games publishing there we go um and obviously they are taking some of these games and putting them out into the market via kickstarter via direct publishing one of the things i'll tease it one of the things he mentioned is there's so many amazing games, they just can't take them all. They're, there's too many for them. You know, they've got the next two, three years planned out already and there's just such a breadth of talent in the Australian game designer industry. Well, the problem is field. when you've got your next two to three years of, of design sorted out is what happens when the next design you sit down and have a chat about mm -hmm. knocks your socks off yep. and you go, if I don't take this... Yep they're going to be snapped up by some other publisher. So I don't only need to take it, I need to take it, I need to get it out now, which means pushing everything back by months, which means potentially annoying other game designers yeah. who've been sold the promise. Anyway... You've just actually, Garth, before, before I forget, you've just reminded me of one funny story of what happened. Oh, finally. Kim, hey. Kim came up to me at one stage and said, oh, do you have a minute to come and witness a, a signature? But yeah, sure. And so he takes me over to a table. Here are the two designers of Fairy Season, mm -hmm. a game that's been published. Yeah, and we played years two ago. Year, two years ago yeah. at PAX, I think. Um, and he said, oh, we finally got around to signing the contract. This is the game they've already published. <laughs> this is how... I don't know if friendly is the right word, but this is how well our industry here locally is working together where... They weren't worried about the signed bits of paper. They were going to get the game, get it out, get it to people, and then we'll just tidy up the paperwork in the background. And I got to be the witness there on the contract. There you go. There you go. Does that make you an executive vice producer on uh, Fairy Story? No. Fairy Seasons. Don't think I get any royalties <laughs> at all. So, look, thank you very much, Mark, for all the effort that you have put in there. I'm sure we'll get to hear what Leon did next week when, uh, when he's back because he's a little bit crook. He's got the post-Pax blues or the... Pox or I don't know, like that. Whatever, whatever it is. So anyway, Leon, I hope you're feeling better because you know, as nice as it's been not to see you for several weeks, <laughs> I miss you, man. So look, it's the Diceman Cometh. This is episode 280. Yep. And it's part one of what will become a two-part pack special. So make sure you tune in next week for part two of all of Mark's and Leon's interviews from PAX 2019. Okay, we'll see you next week with Bye. more PAX. Bye. This has been an edit of The Dice Men Cometh from Edge Radio 99.3 FM, Hobart's independent youth station. Find us on Facebook and edgeradio.org.au.